I mean, did I start a cult? Maybe, but I love it. <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> My first interaction with role-playing games wasn't atypical. I'd heard of Dungeons and & Dragons, and being a young fantasy nerd, I wanted to try it out. Some high school students ran a club at my local library. Little Baby Jack walked in one day and asked to join a campaign. I was given a character sheet, a rulebook, some borrowed dice, and made myself a half-orc fighter, who promptly died within 10 minutes of starting the game. Needless to say, I was hooked. Next week, I returned and joined a new game with a different game master, hoping I'd have a little more longevity with my new dwarven paladin. For those who don't know, a game master, or GM, is the person in charge of running the world, interpreting the rules, and, usually, organizing and hosting the game. If you're playing D&D, the name changes to Dungeon Master, and other games have names like Keeper and MC, but they all do basically the same thing. That dual responsibility of organizing and running slash planning the game weighs a heavy toll on a young Game Master, and soon, the organizers got too busy with their own lives, and that little club stopped running. I decided then to embark on my own quest, to forge a group of players from amongst my friends, and become a Game Master. You'll hear more about my early days from the interview with Mitchell Wager coming up. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be a Game Master, but there's really no one mold that all GMs are going to fit into. The rising popularity of role-playing games has given new players a plethora of examples of how to become a world builder, storyteller, devious schemer, and many other kinds of GM. But that same popularity has raised the expectations of new players and GMs. My favorite thing in the world is popular now, and I'm so glad that more people are interested in trying it out. But just like every artist's work is brilliant in a different way, so too is every group of role players, GMs included, a unique and shining example of how the game should be played. Insert music here. And crescendo. Start. Hello, this is Jack speaking for the NAV. And across from me on the couch is my good friend, Mitchell Wager, occasionally referred to as the bit. Yeah, uh, it is I, Mitchell Wager, the bit. How long have we been playing D&D together? What, 11 years, 12 years now? Like, we started when we were, like, 13. I think we were preteens when we started. I think we were 12. But in, like, playing games as kids with, like, your friends and, and getting down at the table and, and you know, making <laughs> shit up in your head and creating a world and playing together like that, that's definitely something I've done my entire childhood. And oh, yeah. At now all of my adult life as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no time to stop. Because uh, we met doing theater in a similar vein. Big surprise. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, theater kids playing D&D. What? <laughs> but no, we, we were doing The Hobbit. And uh, we hit it off real great. But then we just weren't hitting each other up enough. But then, uh, yeah, you were an Xbox guy and I was a PC guy. And for the longest time, that was the divide. <laughs> and it was the fact that we were kids. You lived on an island. I lived in Cedar. Yeah. Getting that commute down for parents was a pain in the ass. <laughs> no, and then the production ended and we just kind of were falling out. We weren't talking as much. But then uh, a mutual friend of ours extended an invite to join your game. And I decided I was going to be the DM because... I had all the big ideas and, and actually started the whole thing. <laughs> you sure and, did have the big ideas. Oh, boy. And I had no idea what I was getting into, but I was going to soldier forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of us knew what the hell we were doing back then. No. I was very confused at first, as I was like, oh, yeah, I'll make this character. And I didn't understand what the hell I was doing. I made an abomination of a dwarf named Idukin, which, who? Yeah, fully retconned from existence is this 
strange personality who is Iduken. Suffice to say, there was some spin to wins, there was a horrifying, gruesome death, and uh, little DM Jackie Boy decided that the best way to deal with a character who was being too much of a pain to play with was to just kill him and rip make his the heart player, out. yeah, <laughs> rip his heart out and make the player try something else. <laughs> and you know what? That was a good idea. You know, I mean, for a teenager, you got the result. Yeah. Could, modern day, would we have fixed it? I mean, yeah, but... It probably wouldn't have been a problem. We wouldn't have made that character if we were better developed. And we would have discussed it and, like, had a conversation about it and, you know, decided, oh, I think this isn't working out. Let's try killing your character <laughs> and starting over new, but... Teenagers. You can't really kill a player, and if you do, they'll just kind of be sad. So unless you've discussed it with a player, I tend not to kill them. Oh, yeah. It's... I, I keep a level of lethality. Monsters can kill you. Like, it can happen. But, but my goal as a DM is not to kill the players. No. It's to facilitate an interesting story. And a lot of the time, death in narrative sense is a hard cut. It ends. Yeah. Um, all the future potential that character had are removed for the sake of that moment. And if things are too lethal, like you get a sense where you can't really tell a story because who knows what might happen at any moment. But I also like to keep that little bit there because then it adds those stakes. It really makes the characters think things through. They don't behave like it's a video game launching into dangerous situations knowing that they'll be strong enough. Yeah, people need costs, but you can't just make them not do things. You can't freeze them, paralyze them, turn them into statues or enslave them minds. And if you do take over their minds, you still have to let them play their character. The moment you take a player's character out of the story, you have taken them out of the game and they will disengage instantly. And you can't be engaging to every player all the time. So it's trying to find the sake of balancing, finding what everyone finds interesting and building a group that has similar interests. I like I, I sometimes feel this fear that when I'm engaging with one player and leaving the others at the sidelines and not doing anything, that I will lose their interest. But I found as I become more experienced with keeping things just naturally interesting for, for like all players as I'm playing, it, everyone engages and pays attention more. Because the story is more interesting, everyone's paying attention to the story, not necessarily just to what they do in the game. It, it also matters um, the groups you build, who you're playing with. Because mm -hmm. um, every player has different things that they get enjoyment out of. Yeah, dynamics is so interesting. Like It's something I didn't realize I wasn't considering until I fluked into it. And and do you find that like you are building groups based on who's going to play well together? Yeah, I, I am. I find it really helps to have a group that really jives with itself outside of the game can really lead to them working in the game. Mm -hmm. But it's also what everyone's looking for. I have friends who are all about wanting to get into the fights and doing the combat and showing how tough they are and more on the game side of it. There's people who are into the exploring, the mystery of it. There's the players who are into the role play and getting into the characters and the story arcs. Mm -hmm. Then there's the players who are there for the game part of it, wanting to beat challenges, solve puzzles, uh, beat up monsters. And I've realized over time myself, like even though I'm a GM and I can facilitate that game for any kind of set of players, I myself am not one of those rule-oriented fighting players. So I don't jive well in a group that's like that. It's not how you play it. It's not how I play it, and it's not how I like to facilitate playing it. For me, I find uh, I have a hard time focusing on the exploring elements, puzzles, mysteries. I'm an actor at heart, and I do a lot of things with improv. 
I most of my games I go into with one sheet of paper that has a bunch of half-scrolled ideas on it, and then I'll play for four hours. And most of the time, you won't use your planning at all. I use a little bit. I've gotten better for using <laughs> what I write, um, but it's more as a launching point for inspiration to see how the players are engaging, and I run it from there. I think you've got it backwards. I think you've gotten better at writing what you'll use. That's probably true. I'm better at focusing my ideas into a coherent thought, which then I can run with that line of thought once we get going. So when it comes to people who like doing puzzles and the exploring, that's one of my weaknesses as a DM. And that's fine. At the end of the day, we all have our own reasons we engage with these games. Think of it like, um, if you would, uh, genres of movie. Uh, not everyone likes horror. It's the same vibe. It's you take what you want from these games and the more you get into them, the more you can find out what it is you want and hone in on that with your groups, your games, your character ideas and help really get the most out of these type of games. Even the system I'm playing and the genre I'm playing is for the group I'm playing with. I'm going, these are the players I've decided I have the time and want to put the time into playing with on a regular basis. You know, sometimes they're just the people you want to see on a regular basis because they're your friends and you want to see them more I often. hear that. I yeah. hear that. And so, like, you've, like, you've got your group now. You're like, that's the most important part of a and d campaign is the people you're playing with. 100%. So then, if they're experienced, you might ask them, what do you guys want to play? Like, I would be planning for months and months and months and putting those campaigns together for my, my players. But now, I just get my friends together in a room and we just be a think tank for like two, three, four hours at once. Sometimes we won't play the first session. Sometimes we'll spend large portions of our sessions not playing at all, just chatting, being friends, and then the conversation will shift to D&D and suddenly we'll be role-playing. It'll just happen. Like, it'll just flip. It's so freaking fun. That's sick. <laughs> for my games, we have a little ritual we do to help us get ready to play. Mm. And it is the most cursed thing. <laughs> so what we would do is we all sit around the table. And the campaign we're playing in is a kind of um, generally anti-capitalist, anti-colonial, kind of a shitpost, kind of serious campaign. And we're having a great time with it. But we decided that the main villain would be... Jeff Bezos, because we thought it would be funny. To get us in the mood, every time when we're about to play, we sit around the table, we grab one of those uh, long nibs, like the Twizzlers, but nibs. You hang it from your mouth, get into a prayer pose, praising the sun, while Bezos 3 by Bo Burnham plays in the background. And it's a Gregorian chant hailing Jeffrey Bezos. Beautiful. And so we get into it, and we simply listen to the song in its completion while praying. And afterwards, we're all ready to play and we're in this world. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> Is it dumb and would look absurd to anyone? Even as I'm describing it to you, I'm acknowledging this is absurd. Oh, and like, that's the thing about playing D&D. Somebody walks in without context and every time it's maximum absurdity. Something is so easily taken out of context and so weird. Don't mind the cackling in the background. That's just my little bird. I like to think of her and Lenny the Cockatiel as the unrequested avian audience. For a bunch of people sitting around a table with a pieces of paper in front of them and some dice, and yet we get so engaged, we can picture these worlds in our heads. It's so much more than like watching a movie with your friends. Oh, so much Or playing more. a board game. It's, when you're playing it, it really lets you, I don't know, I've gotten into way deeper things than I'd expected to playing D&D. Mm -hmm. &D. You have to be careful about, because you don't want to get too much into your traumas. Nah, yeah. But 
you can still experience things that you wouldn't expect to while playing these games. I've been playing a game more recently with some of my close friends. This is like my my, my teenage superheroes game. So we're channeling our teenage angst and playing for those hard tropes and storylines. And I've had a character in the last session we played jumping off a bridge. And because they're a superhero, teleporting back up on top of that bridge right before they hit the water and jumping off again. And then right after they did that, uh, their other character came up to them who they've never really been friends in game. They're just like teammates. And they had this amazing conversation fully in character. Everyone was so into the game at that point that it was like, this is what's going on. My sister, who doesn't play, she's just our roommate, walked into the room and was watching, and she had tears in her eyes. Like, the conversation that they had about friendship and wanting to be friends and, like, resisting that urge to be friends and just sort of teammates and wanting to comfort each other, not only is that a move in the game, like, the rules gave them stuff for being supportive to each other, but that was something that they were able to do and like channel into their characters. It was so deep and personal. It was one of my favorite moments I've ever had in a D&D game. I actually had a moment where my players surprised me very recently in a similar vein. Yes. Um, this was actually just last week. One of my players made a character who's very naive, and they've been trying to figure out what it means to be them as they're now in this world. And that means trying to explore what they want in a partner and trying to figure this out. They've been flirting with damn near every character they've met. <laughs> you get this. But it's never been the, oh, they're trying to bang everything. It's them not knowing what they want. Um, and they finally had a very sweet moment where they've bonded with an assassin that the party recruited. But the assassin is also not a very developed person, so she gave her a little charm, and then ran off in embarrassment. And that's an NPC that you're playing. That's the NPC I played. But the reactions I got from my from that player, who is new to the game, they've only been playing a couple months. It was beautiful. It wasn't a, oh, they love me, haha. It was immediately into this, them being angry. It was this inability to process the emotion within the character. It was far deeper than I was expecting for characters to get at this level. Like, as a DM, you're making up many, many characters. And they're often like a facade. There's very little behind them. And any complexity is entirely perceived by the player. So when they're something that the other player can relate to so much, like that they're affecting into their own character, they're getting so into the game that they feel not only who they are, but who other fake people that their fake person is talking to are. And you're everyone at the table is going, oh my god, emotions. That's amazing. No, I had planned a whole heist. I've had this heist planned for two weeks, and we still haven't gotten to it, because I've just had character beat after character beat, which is really cool. That's the best part about planning, too, is, like, you just gotta remember, you don't have to use this. Follow the players. Be their fan. Do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. If it's feeling awesome, and it just keeps going further in more cool ways, like, that's what you should plan around. That's what you should try to create situations for. And, like, look for the keys that made that stepping stone to get to that point. And it really varies from group to group. Um, that's one of those things why I brought up my ritual earlier. That allows us to get into play really quite efficiently, and we get into it pretty quickly. Because we spend a minute and a half, two minutes, just thinking about what's going on and getting into character. I love that. I'm going to make my own. It, I'm amazed how well it works. I love it. 
I mean, did I start a cult? Maybe, but I love it. <laughs> Anyone who looks through your window while you're playing is just like, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> like, that development slowly over all these years, has it been literally more than 10 years we've played? We've been playing over a decade. Literally over a decade. That's how long it took to get to this point where like this year we're finding these amazing campaign moments and we've had them before we have and it was seeing them and wanting them again like i remember your your first character that i saw you i was like as a gm i spotted that spark in you going oh this is what it's about and what that was was before that i was enjoying my time with the game in that i was the the combat player, the numbers player. I loved that. I still do. I do math in my head sometimes for fun, and it's cursed. Mm -hmm. um, and I like those number crunchies and doing the fighting. But it was in that moment when I finally realized how much I enjoyed the roleplay part as well. I can't wait to see how good we become at this in the future. I know, right? It's so satisfying. <laughs> that it is. Well, thank you very much. Mitchell for coming and talking to me about all this stuff and, and uh, thanks for having me bitch. Uh, thanks for having me bitch. <laughs> see you Jacoby love you bud if you'd like to see some of what we're talking about in action head to thenav.ca and check out our video RPG Rookies The Nav Tries Role Playing Games where I GM for a group of my wonderful colleagues as they hunt down a ghost fish in a cosmic horror version of modern day Vancouver Island you've been listening to the Nav.